Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 86 of Wrestle Life Radio. I am Matt Sin. I'm here with my little brother Micah Sin and my cousin Kyle Pauly. And we're here to tell you all about AEW Revolution. And boy, what a pay-per-view it was. Do you want a revolution? Whoop, whoop. I said, do you want a revolution? Whoop, whoop. That's a little, uh, that's a little Kirk Franklin for you guys. So if you, if you ever, you know, really wanted to be entertained, I feel like we just, if nothing else, we just entertain you for a few minutes, for a there few are, seconds. There are tens of people worldwide that will get that reference. <laughs> yep. And they're probably hey man, all that's back That's a pretty big Melbourne. song back in the day. Yeah, it was. Wow. It was a while ago. So before we get started with Revolution, we're going to give you a real quick this day in wrestling history. And seven years ago today, March 2nd, that would be on in 2013, for those of you that can math. Ring of Honor presented its 11th anniversary show, and I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a background on, or I wanted to read the card to you guys, because there's a lot of names on there that I think you'll recognize. So, in order, ACH defeated Mike Seidel, that's Evan Bourne's brother, Tadarius Thomas, Silas Young, Hangman Adam Page, and QT Marshall in a six-man match. Then Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino defeated Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander. BJ Whitmer defeated Charlie Haas. Davey Richards and Eddie Edwards defeated Alex Kozlov and Rocky Romero. Michael Elgin defeated Roderick Strong. Matt Taven defeated Adam Cole. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, so all the Undisputed Errors in here, defeated the Briscoe Brothers to retain, or excuse me, to win the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championship. And in your main event, retaining your Ring of Honor World Championship, Kevin Steen, also known as Kevin Owens, defeated Jay Lethal. And I thought that was really interesting because about in almost every one of those matches, there's at least one WWE or AEW guy. And I thought that was really interesting. Yes, and uh, Cedric Alexander going from the small stage of ROH to the big stage of WWE main event, losing to Riddick Moss this week. For the 24 7 <laughs> title. Did that really happen? It sure did. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how to look up main event. Like no one ever reports on it. And I don't even I don't even know when it's on. What channel is it on? I think it's just on the network. Okay. I don't think that anybody I don't think anybody has it on TV, but yeah, the uh yeah, main event this week. I saw the results. Let's see. Shelton Benjamin defeated No Way Jose. So I mean signing that new multi-year contract is paying off Good for him. For Shelton Benjamin. Wow. Yeah. So uh yeah, and then Riddick Moss, the 24-7 champion, had a regular match and defeated Cedric Alexander for the title. Wow. Sounds like must see TV to me. I'm telling you, man, I just you know, anyway. you know what? Screw screw so subscribe subscribe to the, the show right now. Network, $9.99 yeah. a month. <laughs> Uh, Let's just stop this show right now. We don't need to review this. Let's actually change this to a main event review show because that sounds like the more important wrestling event of the week. That makes sense. Benjamin No Way Jose was a four and a half minute match, and the main event with Cedric Alexander and Riddick Moss was a a staggering six minutes. How many stars did Meltzer give that match? I don't know. (laughs) He didn't. We spent way too much time on this. Yeah. Let's get to the so, real the real show. Yes. So so let's move into Revolution. And before we get started, let's talk about that stage and the bracelets that the fans had. What did you guys think of it? I thought they were awesome. So yeah, tell I, me a little bit about them. I loved the the so the entrance ramp was illuminated. It was basically one giant screen. Yeah. And uh, there were no Viking Raiders to break it. That's um, true. So that was that was good. Although it was interactive, I don't know if you noticed, like during the Hangman uh, match. It actually reacted when people would step on it or hit it or whatever. Um, I didn't that notice that. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool. Either that or it was breaking. Did it react when the hangman got splatted on top of it? Yeah, that's the time I noticed it, actually. <laughs> um, also, uh, uh, Chris Statlander jumped to the outside a la Cody, and uh, it, it reacted then. But yeah, the wristbands were awesome. I've seen it done on NXT on some of their takeovers. Uh, apparently, they do it a lot on the NFL games. I'm assuming that's where Tony Khan came in. Yeah, uh, unless it was something to do with this arena, maybe. But uh, yeah, it's definitely something they need to do on every pay per view because it reminded me of the old school days when you had the camera flashes. Yeah, uh, and that's that's what it brought to mind for me. And it was it, everybody. So everybody on the camera side, 
has these wristbands on that illuminate and you sign in with your cell phone and they're all connected to some computer somewhere and they all react accordingly to however the company wants to do it. So like if a certain person comes out and they've got this color scheme, they all flash that color. Um, it can do waves through it. It's, it's really cool technology. They did red, white, and blue during the national anthem. Yeah, that was cool. It was really awesome. I it really enjoyed be, it. I wouldn't mind it at every Dynamite, but I, I could see them keeping it for pay-per-views. And if not, yeah. it, it needs to be at every pay-per-view because it's a really big, cool thing. Yeah, I thought it was really cool, too. I actually haven't seen it before in any NFL games or on NXT or anything. Or maybe I have and just didn't notice because I was looking for it this time because Nick Jackson said they were going to have something special, something interactive. So when I saw the you know obvious flashing lights, I'm like, maybe that's it. Yeah, I just I didn't hear about that, but I just noticed them. I haven't noticed them at any other show before, but I mean they they were pretty cool. I just I mean it's it's cool for you know the camera, uh, you know for our viewing pleasure, but also the you know the people that pay to go see this to get it like a cool interactive thing during the show, and then they get to take it home with them. At least right. I think they get to take it home. Uh, with them. No, it's, they're recycled. Oh, okay. Aww. Well, never mind. Yeah, they, they still, take them and clean them, cool. and then reuse them. Or you're supposed to recycle them. I mean, I'm sure people steal them just like they do real D 3D glasses. Yeah, I was about to say 3D glasses. Like, I've accidentally stolen those before. It's like, no, drop them in this box, and I'm wearing them on my head. Nobody wants those. They just actually end up taking them home. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So let's move into the dark match with SCU versus Dark Order. And this match was, for a dark match, really, really good. But, I mean, what do you expect with these four guys? Kyle, you want to tell us about the match? Uh, no, cause I didn't watch it. <laughs> oh, you didn't watch the dark match. I didn't know. I didn't get to see the pre-show yet. I'm going to go back and watch it. I, I did read about okay. what happened with it, but yeah. Uh, so, so I mean, story-wise very interesting. Uh, uh-huh. but cause obviously we got the tease of Christopher Daniels. Um, you know, it's kind of been a tease that, you know, he might be the exhausted one, but I mean, that rumor might be dispelled here. Yeah. Uh, but I, they, I thought they did a really nice job with it. Uh, what did you guys think of the match, though? The match was really, really good. It, it was it was a little on the shorter side. What really mattered was at the end, Colt Cabana came out. Oh, okay, so, yeah, that's what I was going to ask because obviously I heard Colt Cabana was on the show, but he wasn't on the right. main show because that's the only one I'd seen so far. So yeah, so okay. long story short, the match was good, ten minutes or so, and then uh, Dark Order won. And then they started beating down Scorpio Sky and Frank Gazarian. Before the match started, uh, they told Chris Daniels not to come out with him. And so he was like, what, what are you talking about, guys? And he's, they're like, you know, it's nothing personal. We just feel like, you know, it's, it's the best thing for all of us if you stay in the back. And he looked all dis- disappointed. So after they were getting beat down, Chicago's own Colt Cabana comes in. And he's starting to take out the Dark Order. But the numbers are just too much, right? Because right. you've got uh, Colt Cabana. Yeah, yeah, the the other jobber guy, Evil Uno, Stu Grayson, and then like six of the Creepers. And so Colcomana takes it a bunch of them, but then like this random music hits. And the announcers are like, whoa, who is who is this person? And uh, basically Vince McMahon from 1999 comes out in that garb where he was, you know, it was me, Austin. <laughs> it was me all along, Austin. Yeah. And do you remember who it was supposed to be? Christopher Daniels. And you know who was wearing it this time 21 years later? Christopher Daniels. That's correct. That's it's, correct. Almost, it's almost as in there as if they're good bookers. I know. And so he takes it off, and for a split second, you're like, is he the exalted one? And he like and he takes the hood off, but then he tosses the whole thing, and he jumps over the top rope and attacks, I believe it was Evil Uno, and starts taking them all down. And between all four of the guys, they dispose of the Dark Order. And so uh, Scorpio Sky and Frank Kazarian, you can see them kind of apologize, apologizing to Christopher Daniels. And uh, yeah, the four of them celebrate. And it's official. Colt Cabana is all elite. And I'm, I'm a big fan of I wonder his. If, uh, I wonder if Daniels keeps that robe in his uh, trunk, the same one that he keeps <laughs> the, uh, the Pentagon costume in. And right. If he's got like a giant truck, trunk backstage, he keeps all these outfits in. He's also apparently got a Dark Order mask, according to BTE. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, uh, the, they did a nice job with like teasing because uh, Daniels comes out and he's in the gear, but uh, the Dark Order were also, they, they did a good job of making them act confused because normally, you know, the, the dumb heels, they'll come out or something and they, they'll be like celebrating like, yes, he's here. But they, in this story, knew that like, wait, we're not 
the exalted one's not here. Like he's not yeah, supposed exactly. to be here. So they, they were confused looking. Yeah, yeah. So I thought they did a good job of like, so it wasn't like a, you know, direct tease that, you know, maybe it's Daniels and they turned on him or anything like that. Like it was a, you know, swerve against the dark order and they played it off really nicely. Yeah. I also, I think we can all just agree that now that Cole Cabana is all elite, we can confirm CM Punk is not the exalted one. So yeah, sorry, exactly. 100%. Maybe this is Although, he is feuding. So, you know, yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, I, I can't imagine it being CM. First of all, if CM Punk came back, he'd get the biggest face pop in the history of face pops. So you don't want him to come back as a major heel. And secondly, although I don't think they hate each other as much as they did while all this stuff is going on, they're definitely no longer friends. Yeah, so. I can also confirm. AEW has said before they don't want to hire people that are difficult. CM Punk is a difficult person, and I would not him working for my want him working for my company as much money as he would bring in. Yeah, so. I get it. Sorry, get all it. you CM Punk marks. He seems like an annoying person. Just yeah. bring I'm in Mickey Gone. He'll uh, he'll be okay. Yeah, I'm a CM Punk mark, but I don't disagree. Yeah, he he sounds very difficult to work with. So, and in fairness, he probably had some issues in WWE. I mean, a lot of people did. Moxley was is not difficult to work with, and I guess he probably he wasn't technically difficult to work with in WWE. He did what they told him to do, but he was obviously upset about a lot of it, and he trashed the company when he left. So. I don't know, but he's, yeah, he's probably difficult to work with. I don't know if I'd want him there either. Anyways, moving on. Sorry to make you go on a tangent. Yeah, okay. Uh, Lexi Nair, or the Diamond Daughter, as I like to call her, DDP's daughter, is backstage. She's talking to Jurassic Express, and uh, Luchasaurus is trying to have a regular interview about how wonderful it is that there is dinosaur representation on this uh, pay-per-view in Chicago. And while they're doing, while he's doing that, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt are just goofing around in the background, and it was hilarious and great. And like, so they're like putting their arms around her, but they're fighting over her because she's very pretty. And they are both single, I assume. At least the characters are. And uh, yeah, so Luchasaurus finishes the interview, and I, and they said, yeah, we're gonna, we're really gonna be focusing on, you know, the main event to make sure everything, you know, go goes to plan. And I don't, I don't think they were out there at all. They weren't even out there. No, no it no, was they funny because they were out there during another match. They were out, they were there, out during, there during the main event. Uh, they were up. They were so, out there. Sammy up Guevara until, and Darby like, Allen. Yeah, yeah, they were out there up until the. Um, I want to say the Cody MJF match, and they just left. Which is like this is the point in the show where you need to be paying attention if you're trying to keep heels from doing heel things. Were they yeah. out there that long? I thought it was only the Darby Allen Guevara match. It may have been. It may have just been just like another, suddenly appear and obviously the audience I was noticing. I mean, I noticed uh, Jungle Boy's name, you know, at ringside, and I was like, wait a minute, what's... Because obviously, in the first match, uh, Jake Hager's wife, or fiance, whoever that is, was there, and then they just replaced her. And so I was like, well, that's not her hair, but it was Jungle Boy's hair. (laughs) How did she get more attractive? What happened here? (laughs) (laughs) We... we, What? We opened the show... And Farrell. Yeah. We we opened the show with Jake Hager... And uh, Dustin Rhodes. And I am interested to know what you guys think of this. So, Kyle, run through. I know what Micah thinks of it, so I'm going to let you go through this one, Kyle. Micah, I'm going to let you do Sammy Guevara and Darby. Um, Tell me what you thought of, or tell me the match, and tell me what you thought of Hager and Dustin. So, I mean, I've I've heard some people kind of crapping on this match. I thought it was a good opener. I mean, it, it wasn't anything... Obviously, especially with the, the the rest of the matches, you know, come tonight, uh, it wasn't the best match on the show by far. Uh, but I thought it was fine. It, you know, uh, Jake Hager's, like I said, his uh, girlfriend and or wife or fiance or whoever this is. I don't know. It's his wife. They've been married for like 10 years. Okay. I, I couldn't remember if they had actually said if they were actually married or not. But uh, so she was at ringside. Um, she was hyping him up the whole time. And I thought they had a good match. Uh, it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't the greatest, but it was good. It, it was a fine opener. Uh, anywhere else on the card, like, I don't think, it, obviously with all these great matches to come in the show, like, it couldn't follow up anything. So I thought it was placed fine. It didn't bother me at all. Um, and I think Hager needed to win this, and he did. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was fine with it. Micah, tell me your opinion. Uh, it was just, eh. I mean, it was an okay match, I guess. Um, it, I think 
I don't know. First of all, I didn't like the sexual assault. Don't think that's cool. <laughs> um, it's a very gold dust thing to do. Yeah, um, it, it was I'll, definitely a very old school spot. Um, that, yeah, but he also didn't actually. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, I'm just saying it's it's a very old school spot, and that's you know it, it's definitely a Me Too era. But I mean, she played it off fine. She said it was disgusting. The crowd liked it. <laughs> it, it happened, so it didn't. It didn't yeah, it's me. also it's also worth mentioning that uh, Dustin came out in a new type of face paint where the bottom half of his face was paint and the top half was not. So it looked like she just got like torn up by a clown or something. I don't know. It was yeah. It was, it was gross. I uh, didn't like that. The person sitting next to him, I don't know if it was maybe her son or somebody. He was like a teenager. He looked disgusted by the whole thing as well. Um, he also looked disgusted when Jake was making out with her throughout the match and before the match. And yeah, it was it's gross. I don't want to see that. You know? Yeah. yeah anyway, uh, the match itself, I don't know. Jake Hager didn't impress me, to be honest with you. I don't have a whole lot of exposure to Jack Swagger. I know a lot of people didn't like his wrestling prowess that much. I know he's basically Brock Lesnar. He has some amateur wrestling experience. He has some MMA experience. Uh, obviously, his pro wrestling experience is not as high as the rest. I guess uh, it was just it was just an, it was just a match. I mean, I, I will say I think this pay per view as a whole was paced very well because this was a good opener. It's kind of correct, kind of warmed people up. It got them going. Uh, it had some some vitriol behind the feud, but. I don't know. I thought Dustin Rhodes was a better performer in the match than Jake Hager was, and Dustin Rhodes is like 54 years old. So, I don't know. he's also fantastic, but yeah, he's an old man. Jake, Jake should be out performing him. Jake's a former WWE champion, and you know, if you if you oh go God, to the... I always forget that. Yeah. So I asked I ask my wife after the pay-per-view, I said, what did you think of Dustin kissing Jake's wife? And she said, well, it really bothered me at first, but then I thought, well, it's just a TV show. And I said, yeah, exactly. I said, and if you know the history of Dustin, it really fits his character. And also, if you watch, he didn't actually kiss her. He basically rubbed his face on her so the paint would get all over her. So, you know, I understand some people might be going, wait a second, we shouldn't do that in 2020. But TV show, guys. I don't even think it's an issue of doing it in 2020. I think it's an issue of getting away from the Goldust character. And that's a very Goldust thing to do. It was, yeah. And also, it's gross. he wants to he wants to call back to it a little bit. He doesn't want to be gold dust anymore, but obviously he still wears the face paint and you know, he's not the cowboy natural Dustin Rhodes that he was in WCW, so I do get it. I whoa, get it. whoa, officer, I didn't want to kiss her forcibly. I wanted to rub my paint all over her. <laughs> Either way, the match was I thought the match was fine. Um I won't we won't take too much time with yeah, this match. I'd be like a, a C a C match. It, no, I think it was better than that, but it was for an AEW show where you're expecting everything to be, you know, four or five stars, I think it was a solid three and a quarter star match, and it was just fine. But what do you expect? I mean, you, this is the type of match that these guys are going to put on, and I, I I was fine with it. I thought it was okay. Yeah, let's go on to a good match. Yeah, let's go on to Sammy and Darby. So, Micah, tell us about it and what you thought of it. Yeah, this was honestly probably my sleeper match of the night, which I, I knew would be fantastic, but I think a lot of people were kind of undercutting it. Obviously, it's Darby out of Sammy Guevara, two of the best high flyers in AEW. Uh, you had Darby riding on a skateboard, but, I mean, he rolled down with a skateboard and then immediately hit uh, Sammy Guevara at ringside with a suicide dive. The bell never rings. They get into a brawl outside the ring. And it, the, the actual match itself was probably like seven or eight minutes long. Maybe, maybe less. But the pre-match shenanigans, probably like 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, so so all in all, you look at the, the length of the match, it wasn't very long. But yeah, they had a lot, long segment here. Uh, I thought it was a great way to bring some hardcore stuff into a mat, uh, uh, a pay-per-view that didn't actually have any hardcore matches. Uh-huh. Uh, so you had uh, Allen basically just destroyed Sammy. And Darby comes in, he, he actually... Looks like he almost killed himself, as he does in every match. Uh, he tried another suicide dive attempt, and uh, it it he hit his feet on the ropes. I think. Yeah, he had, he had Guevara draped over the guardrail on the outside, and so he was going to take off and do a suicide dive and basically torpedo into his back. But yeah, his like feet hit the top and bottom rope like as he was coming out, and they yeah. slowed his momentum down a little bit. And it looked like he dove out and face planted right on the concrete. 
Right. Yeah, and I have to I have to ask, like, was that intentional? Because that's what gave Sammy the opportunity to do his next spot. Yeah, no, there's no way. There's but no way looked, because that was really dangerous. Super dangerous. And, you know, everybody's like, yeah, Dar- Darby's such a young guy. He's got such a long career ahead of him. Does he? <laughs> I don't know if I see this guy wrestling five more years, to be honest with you. Yeah. You know, you ask Jericho how he, he wrestled for so long. He's like, well, you know, I just kind of took it easy. And, I mean, he does a lion salt or whatever, but he's no well, this was pretty Jeff tame. Hardy. This was pretty tame compared to most Darby Allen matches we've seen in AEW. Yeah, uh, it was from more Darby, than a, maybe not from Sammy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it was obviously the story of the match was uh, they had the brawl at the beginning and uh, Sammy actually did a lot of damage to Allen. Almost they kind of teased a quick finish because he had done so much damage, slammed it through, you know, through a table. And, uh, you know, they were asking if Darby would able, once they both got in the ring, if he was even going to have the match. And he shooed the ref away. And as soon as they rang the bell, Guevara, like, does a running knee right to his face. And it, it was an awesome spot. He, you know, they teased the quick finish, but Darby ended up kicking out. And it was just Guevara working him over yeah, until. Let's, let's, let's move back here. You said he put him through a table. He hit him with a 630 centon through a yep. table. That spot. Awesome. Was that was the spot of the night, in my opinion? It was. This wasn't the match of the night. It was a very, very good match. But we have some bangers coming ahead of us. We got but, on yeah. the top rope and said, "I'm crazy," and then did yeah, it. I was like, "Yeah, yes, you are." And, yeah, okay, we agree. Yeah, that was that was the spot of the night. Honestly, that may be one of the best spots I've seen in AEW. Uh, probably second to maybe the Canadian Destroyer off the ladder on the uh, Young Bucks uh, Lucha Brothers match. Right, that was also insane. Uh, but yeah, Darby, uh, Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara, both super talented. And the fact that uh, Sammy Guevara was able to pull that off, even in a loss here, uh, I, man, he still looks like a star to me. Because we were both talking, you know, we were we were wanting Sammy to to maybe pull out the win because we thought he needed it more. But I think he'll be fine, man, after that performance. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the ending of the match, basically, uh, Darby Allen hit him with a coffin drop and got the one, two, three. And then afterwards he went for his skateboard to, uh, to choke Sammy out the same way that he did when he attacked him a few weeks ago. And then Jake came and tore Sammy's lifeless body away from the ring and dragged him out. So yeah. he rescued him. Match. Like he rescued him like, uh, like Donkey Kong taking the princess. That's correct. This match was really, really good too. Like there were so many high spots. It was cool to have that type of extreme and you mentioned this a type of extreme match even though there wasn't officially one on the card i, I mean they did I a spanish fly off the top rope and it was really cool because sammy jumped up like from you know the the mat up and on the top rope and like almost i don't know like he looked like he legitimately almost lost his balance it was like on one foot at one point like holding himself yeah. up and then caught himself and hit the spanish fly like they did a lot of cool stuff in this match like it was very entertaining it was fantastic yeah, agreed. Oh, well, let's go back a little bit though, Micah, because uh, I forgot that we have to do our predictions. So, for the first one, first match, Jake Hager won. Who picked Jake Hager? Yeah, up until this point in the show, everyone's made the same decision and everybody's been correct. Uh, everybody okay. chose Hager. Everybody chose Darby. Okay, cool. And also cool. for the viewers, uh, Kyle actually did send us our predi- his predictions, uh, even though he wasn't able to be on the preview show. So we've got those here as well. That's correct. So, we're going to move in to the third match of the night, and it's Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus the Young Bucks. My now, God. before we before we get into results, wh- who picked two here? Uh, Kyle and I picked the Hung Lovers, as I like to call them, Hangman wow. and, and Kenny Omega, and you picked the Young Bucks. That is correct. That is correct. So, Kyle, tell us a little bit about this match. I loved. I, I mean, I love just everything about this match, honestly. Uh, from the start, I will just go ahead and say I had a couple negatives. One, I hated the crowd shot cuts again. Yeah, that was very WWE. I even screened my TV. They, what are you doing, Kevin Dunn? Yeah. They started with it in, uh, like halfway through the match, and they started doing it with like during rest spots. And I was like, okay, I'm fine with this. And they kept doing it and they kept cutting and to the point where they, they cut to one guy who was probably looking shocked and then like immediately looked at his phone and then they caught him looking at his phone. So he was just like looking down. So you saw like all three of his chins. And then there was a, there was another spot. I don't remember which one it was, but 
they almost pretty much missed it because they had cut back out to the crowd. So a little bit too much on the crowd cuts. Um, they started to do it in a you know fairly decent way, but it, they they overdid it slightly here. And then uh, my other slight, 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 slight problem with this match was they had a really awesome spot where Kenny Omega like fired up after you know getting hit with a move, and they kind of cut him off really quick. And the crowd was going nuts, and I was like. Man, that would have been really good if he would have got up and just like had a house of fire and just like what like ran wild. But that was a very small nitpick. Other than that, I thought this was like absolutely as close as perfect as you can get from the start to the finish. They the video package they showed told the whole story. It set up everything. The entrances were amazing, especially uh Hangman and Kenny's entrances. Just the whole story about this match, obviously, because there's so much history between these guys. And it was basically a tale of, you know, the Young Bucks are the better team. They were, you know, they're hitting consistent tag tag moves, whereas Omega, excuse me, Omega and Hangman were hitting, you know, double team moves. But they were more, uh, you know, one guy would hit one move and the other guy would follow up another move. So they were in tandem with each other, but they weren't a team move, per se. So... There was that, but there was also the story of how far were the Young Bucks willing to go because obviously Hangman was being a jerk to them and they were, you know, wanting to, you know, beat him up because he was... Whoa, whoa, whoa. They were being a jerk to Hangman. They were being jerks yeah. to each other. Hangman sure. is the face of the situation. But Hangman also spit in their face. So, yeah. He also spit in their face. So, I mean, it's... They it's, deserved it. Yeah. They, it, <laughs> it's gone both ways. So... But how how far would they go? That was the story. So, and, and, you know, I mean, at one point they tore off Kenny Omega. They were, you know, attacking the shoulder that was injured. They tore off the tape that was to the point where uh, Matt had to look down. Like he looked at the tape and it actually might have cost him the match because he had to, you know, reflect and be like, you know, what am I doing? Like they were, you know, just going so far. But, uh, I mean, to Omega's shoulder, to, you know, the dynamic between Paige and the Young Bucks and, you know, how far they were going to go. This match was amazing. There was, there were so many good things about it. I mean, this was AEW. If you know the best match they've had so far, maybe the match of the year. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and obviously, like toward the end of the match, it, it was like I said, the story was the Young Bucks. How far were they going to go? They started, you know, doubting themselves when they, you know, had attacked Kenny Omega's shoulder, and you know, even the announcers. I mean, the announcers were great in this match. I thought they were fan. They they pointed out all these small details that were going on because yep. there were a lot of small things in here that were going on, and they pointed out every one of them. And it was so such a relief because like I mean I watched SmackDown for the show, and I cannot stand listening to Michael Cole bicker and like have all these stupid points throughout the match. And I mean say what you will about Jr. and a lot of people complain because he gets names wrong and you know gets stuff mixed up, but he's still miles and miles ahead of somebody like Michael Cole. Like he's still great. And Tony Correct. Schiavone and Excalibur did awesome in this match. They told this story. I mean, they pointed out uh, how, you know, Matt's back was injured, you know, a year ago and how Hangman was targeting the back. Uh, it's just everything about this was so fantastic. Like, if if you only see one thing on the show, this has got to be it. It was the match of the night. I mean, fantastic. Yeah, Dave Meltzer actually said this is the best North American uh, tag team match of all time. And yeah, I, he's not... I don't think he's flippant to give stuff away like that. Uh, and man, I don't know that I've ever seen a better tag team match. Honestly, oh, yeah, as far as how invested I was, I've never seen a better match. Uh, I know this is like three times this year now. I've said this is match of the year. This is match of the year, guys. And I'm, we may have another one, but this, as of this, as of what February or March first now, this is match of the year. We may have four or five more match of the years with AEW the way they've been going. Yeah, this this match had me so invested more than any match I've ever watched. Uh, you, I, I don't want to seem uh, contradictory because I did not like Adam Cole versus Tomasa Ciampa on the uh, Portland Takeover because Actually, it was, yeah, I I was thinking about that yeah. because of how much of a kickout fest it was. Yep, uh, and this match was a kickout fest, but 
I liked it. I enjoyed it. I don't know. Maybe because I'm so invested in the characters. Maybe I'm marked for AEW. I don't know. Uh, not only that, but you know, you also have the story of the everybody being such close friends and knowing each other's moves so well. This whole match, you had reversal after reversal after reversal. You had some great spots. You had um, uh, Hangman Adam Page actually did one of Marty Scurll's moves, the chicken wing. Yep. The little dance thing he did. That's Marty Scurll's, one of his finishers, I guess. Um, I didn't know that until after the match because I don't watch Ring of Honor. I only watch AEW and WWE sometimes. And uh, also you had uh, the Golden Trigger against Kenny Omega, which was the Golden Lovers finishing move, which is uh, Kenny and is it Okada? Is that Kota Ibushi. Abushi, Abushi that he tags with in New Japan. Uh, and they hit that, and I thought it was done because Hangman's dead outside the mat. He's on the ramp. They did a Meltzer driver on the ramp, and he's he's dead. They hit Kenny with the golden trigger, which is basically two V-triggers, and he kicks out at one. Okay. That's, that's the spot that I was talking about where he kicked out, and the crowd erupted. He's, like, beating the mat with his fist. That, like yep. he Everybody thought that up. was the end of the match. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, they kind of squashed it out real quick and, you know, you know, knocked him back down. And I was like, man, I at least wanted him to get up and just like go insane on them because he was obviously. I, I think the reason they did that is because they wanted this match and this story for this match not to be that Kenny made the win. You had, okay, so the overarching story for the Bucks was Matt. I don't want to say that Hangman, I know Hangman was wrong for spitting in Matt's face at the beginning of the match, but to back it up, uh, Hangman and or Kenny and, and Nick started the match. It gets a little too heated, and then Kenny's backing up. He's like, "Okay, man, let's let's calm down. Let's let's shake hands. Let's fist bump. All right, and let's go tag out." So Hangman and Matt come in the ring, and Hangman is not coming in to be friendly. He's coming yeah. in to win this match. He's upset by all the things that Matt and Nick have said. Maybe some things that uh, Kenny has said as well. And uh, so he just he goes all out. He's just like he's facing anybody else, probably even a little tougher. And uh, Matt and him actually stop in the middle of the ring, and, and Matt reaches out his hand, but he's got like one hand behind his back, and the other hand reaching out, and he's like smirking and smiling. Like, come on, man! It, it's a very, it was a very Jericho esque handshake extension. You know, uh, I don't know what would have happened if Hangman would have shook his hand. I think, I think Matt would have would have turned it into something, and uh, I think Hangman's thinking the same thing. So he 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 stopped. He started to. He backed up. And he spit in Matt's face. And that set him off. Matt gets on him. He starts just waylaying him. He's just beating him down. The ref has to pull him off. Kenny's in there. He's pulling him off. Nick comes in there. He's pulling him off. And he just forgot about the wrestling match. He just starts beating down Hangman. And for the rest of the match, Matt is a wild animal. He doesn't care about his friends anymore. He just wants to win these belts. And he wants to beat Hangman. He wants to prove that he's better. And, man... I'm telling you, if anybody's a heel in this situation, it's the Bucks. That's who they're turning. The Bucks got booed throughout this entire match. I want to say they yeah, got they booed before the match. Yeah, from the yeah. start. They you got the I mean, cowboy stuff chants just erupting throughout the entire arena, and the Bucks come out and they get booed. I mean, I don't know. I mean, that, that tells you more than anything. They, I mean, there was one star of this match, and it was Hangman. I mean, obviously, That's Kenny right. was awesome. The Young Bucks were awesome. But this crowd was behind Hangman Page the entire thing. I mean, it's to true. the point where, like you said, they were booing the young bucks, you know, from the start that, you know, even when they, he spit in their face, they cheered at the end of the match when he didn't shake their hand, let the ring, they got claps from the fans. They got the yay boo punches with, you know, hangman. Like, yep. They, he was the star of this match. Yeah. And throughout AEW's right there, history, they're obviously building hangman as their top guy. I mean, you had him facing Jericho there at the beginning and you got to think, uh, Kenny Omega is what? 38. All right, he's 38. He's maybe got, I don't know, going off like AJ scale, four or five years of being Kenny Omega, right? Of being the same level he is now. Maybe not even that, depending how he goes. You've got the he's, young bucks. He's 30. He's 36. He's probably 30. got five, six years in him. Okay, he's 36. He's got five, six years. You've got the young bucks who are younger than Kenny, I think, but their bodies are a little bit more torn down. They've, they've played a little rougher game, I think, throughout their career. Um, more like the Hardys. And... Uh, and you've got Hangman, who's what, 26, 27? He's this really is, young. This is the guy you can build the future of your company on because as long as you have this guy being built, as long as he's here, your company's built. You've got a star. So if Kenny gets injured and he's gone out, you've still got Hangman. If the Bucks go out, you've still got Hangman. So if you build him at this level, at this position in your company this early, I think that's what they're trying to do. 
um, which is a very smart business decision and just a smart decision by how great Hangman is. Uh, he's he's fantastic. I mean, I can't talk enough about him right now. I honestly think I could say he's my favorite in AEW, and that was not the case even two months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it great. Also, I will say Matt did un- end up spitting in his face as well before the match was over with, so he got his payback for that. So, you guys are stepping on my toes a little bit, but I'm going to keep this really brief because you guys just spent about 10 minutes on it. It's okay. Spend I'm going to debut I'm gonna debut a new segment, and it's called Matt's Match of the Year. And remember two weeks ago when I said Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee at TakeOver Portland, I'm like, man, this match is incredible. One of the best matches I've ever seen. How in the world can anyone top this? And then last week, we had Pac and Kenny Omega, and I said, oh my gosh, this is definitely Match of the Year. Nothing's ever going to top this. And then three days later, Kenny Omega and Adam Page versus the Young Bucks have one of the best, most emotional, most high-flying matches I've ever seen in my life. And a lot of people say the guys like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, Hangman Page, with all of this flippy crap wrestling that they do, can't tell a story. Well, those people are wrong. Because this was the best story that's been told in AEW yet. This match was incredible, not just because of the athletes in the match doing their moves, but because of the athletes in the match telling their story, reacting to each other, their partners and their opponents. This match was a master class in professional wrestling, and it is currently my new match of the year. It just my gosh, it was incredible. I will say, too, that I gave Kenny Omega and Hangman Page the brass ring last week. So, uh, yep. I beat you to it, Matt. <laughs> you did. That's true. That's they're true. Still, they're still. I'm going to take full now. credit for this match. They were riding high off winning the brass ring. So they knew I they had it, to yeah. step it up for this match. That was it. That's true. Um, 100%. Yeah, send, AW send the check to uh, Nashville, Tennessee. I'll be looking for it in the mail. <laughs> Just get in contact yeah, with me. I don't know if we actually talked about the end of the match, but uh, basically... Yeah, I was actually about to. Yeah, okay, so, go ahead. You, the, uh, are you talking about after the match with Hangman Page and Kenny? No, the actual ending. Oh, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it, Kenny was out after he, he came back uh, from the, the golden trigger, and he came back a little bit, but he got he got taken out as well. Hangman is supposedly dead outside the ring after getting a Meltzer driver on the ramp, but uh, he just comes in and hits his buckshot lariat, they end up getting back up. Uh, Kenny ends up getting back up. He ends up hit their uh, tag team move, the buckshot V trigger. Only gets a two count, which is crazy. That might have been the first point. I was like, okay, well, this is kind of ridiculous. Right. Uh, the golden trigger. All right, it's his move. If he hits somebody with their move, I, I, I'm okay with them kicking it out of it. But it, they kicked out of the tag team move. And again, I think that's because they wanted to build Hangman, not Hangman and Kenny. Right. So after that... Uh, Oh, also, uh, before that, uh, Nick got put through a table by Hangman. Didn't get the DQ because I guess neither one of them were legal. Yeah, it's an AEW thing. Whatever. Uh, is that is that always been the case in wrestling? No, that's not how it works. I, this was just them overlooking a rule. But honestly, I had forgotten about it because I was having so much fun. Yeah. So it can make me forget the rules because the match is so good. Whatever. At this point, AEW has established their rules, and that is they have no rules. So I don't even care anymore. Uh, their rules, they're, they're just a no-DQ company now, unless they want to. And it's only happened once, and it was acceptable. Uh, anyways, so he comes in, and uh, Hangman hit, or, or Kenny tries to hit Matt with the one-winged angel. Well, since Matt has went on his shoulder, uh, attacking it ruthlessly earlier, uh, he can't hit the one-winged angel. He can't, he can't maneuver him on top of him. And so Hangman comes in, and I'm like, oh, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? He puts him up. He hits Matt with the one winged angel, the move that has never been kicked out of when applied by Kenny Omega and AEW. And he kicks out. Matt kicks out. At, uh, it's like two. No, 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 no. Nick saved him. Oh, oh was, it, was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nick broke up the pin then. Okay. That makes it a little better in my mind. Uh, this is such a long match. It's hard to remember everything. And uh, not to, not to doubt it at all. It's fantastic. But uh, so Nick broke up the pin. Okay. And then. It was the buckshot lariat that did it. Yep. It was Hangman Adams Page finishing move that finished this match for him. It wasn't the tag team. It wasn't Kenny. It was Hangman. And he so took out really both the Bucks. 
You talk about both of them, just like he did SCU. When he won the titles, it was all Hangman. It wasn't Kenny. Kenny was out. So this whole story is about Hangman, and I cannot wait to see Hangman rub it in the Bucks' face. It's going to be so fantastic. But yeah, oh, yeah. Talk, talk about what happened after the match. So after the match, the Young Bucks come to Kenny and Adam, and they're both kind of like pushing back, even Kenny. And then after a few seconds, Kenny's like, you know, that's fine, I guess. We are actually friends. And so they shake hands. They try to shake hands with Adam again. He turns his back on him, and he's looking the other way. He eventually turns around, but then walks out of the ring, or steps out of the ring, excuse me. The Bucks leave the ring, and Kenny has his back to Hangman, who puts his hands on the rope, and he's holding it as if he's about to hit Kenny with a buckshot lariat. And then as Kenny turns around and heads towards the the ropes, he pulls open the ropes for Kenny, lets him out, and then hugs him. And that was an absolutely perfect tease after an absolutely perfect match. It was just so good. Also, these announcers, they see it, they point it out, and they they hesitate for a second. They're like, wait, what, what? What's... And they see it, and again... The WWE announcers would be so dumb or like not even notice it or yeah. would say like, what, what is he doing? Or, or you know, like, yeah. like listen to my stupid. podcast on uh, WWE Network. Yeah. I mean, like he's in the middle of this very important segment. But right. these, these announcers on AEW are real people. They're not idiots. They see that he's clutching the rope for the buckshot lariat and he backs off and they're like, oh, okay, well, great. Yeah. Like they kind of brush it off. Just fantastic. Everything about this match was great. I can't say enough about it. Yeah, really good. So let's move on in the interest of time. Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. Anyone want to go into detail on this? I thought this match was crap. Uh, Chris Statlander apparently had the flu for this match, so that kind of you know negates her badness in the match a little bit. Uh, She also tried to do a kip up and failed, and uh, that they messed up a superplex too. Yeah, it looked really embarrassing after Nyla's last match. my brother-in-law was actually saying he's really looking forward to this match because he really enjoyed the Nyla Riho match. Afterwards, yeah. he was like, oh, that was that was not good. And Correct. Yeah, that was like a... Honestly, that's the only thing that saved Jake and uh, Dustin from being the worst match of the night. However, again, the pacing of the pay-per-view has done so well because I needed a breather after the Correct, yeah. match. So the placement of this match was perfect, even though the match did not reach expectations. Yeah, no one was going to be able to follow that last match. But honestly, if... This could have been at any point like this. This could have been on dynamite. And I would have been like, meh. Like I, I don't know. I just didn't care for it. Did you like it at all, Kyle? No. It, it just okay. it was yeah disappointing uh, because Statler's been pretty good. Uh, she was pretty sloppy in this match. Rose obviously, I think she needs somebody like Riho or somebody experienced to kind of help her. She's obviously you know got the you know the power side of these moves, but she needs a dance partner to kind of you know work that with and Statlander. For whatever reason, if it was just because she was sick or she was just a little bit off, they just didn't gel well together for this match, and it was just really sloppy. Yeah, Stanley yeah. has only been wrestling for like two years. Yeah, and Nyla yeah. picked up the win here. Like, uh, I, did everybody pretty much agree with this? Yep. Was everybody agree? Yeah. So, yeah. well, oh, to, to bring it back, uh, Kyle and I put chose. Well, we we mentioned that. Never mind. On, on the yeah, you, yeah, you guys got Hangman and Kenny. Yeah. So Cody and MJF, who picked who in this match? Uh, I picked Cody, and Kyle picked Cody, and you chose MDF. This is the first first miss of the night for me. Yeah, yeah, me as well. And I and I these these two the basically this and the main event were the ones where I was like I could see it going either way, and and the tag match. Yes, uh, I mean yeah, very true. But uh, I, it was it was kind of I guess I point out these two matches because I was th- my thought process was. Uh, you know, if one wins here, I think this one's got to win here. So I obviously chose wrong for both of these. <laughs> so, right. uh, but yeah, I thought if, if one's going to win here, the other one's going to win here. So uh, yeah, got, got this one wrong. Yeah. So this match was, was, I really like this match and I'm interested to see what you guys think. This match was very old school. It didn't go the way I thought. I thought Cody was just going to come in and murder the poor kid. And then MJF was going to cheat to win. There are multiple spots in here that was cool. Um, Brandy tried to attack Wardlow, who had already attacked Cody. 
Um, she did a crossbody on him. He obviously just caught her. Cody comes out and he's like, no, 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 put her down. So as he's putting her down, Cody goes in to kick him in the face and then he moves and Cody kicks Arn in the face, which was interesting. Um, but Cody had MGF beat, which MGF had a terrible Arn spray tan here. Uh, Cody had MGF beat multiple times. He picked him up at the end, at the end of the match. He did two crossroads in the third one, like he did with Kip Sabian. So there's a storyline precedent doing three of them to someone that he's angry at. The third one, he attempts to do it, but MGF had gotten the diamond ring either out of his trunks or from Wardlow. I, I don't remember. I didn't notice where he got it from. from Wardlow, I believe. Which, yeah. to, to bring it back, why does he even have the diamond ring? Because Cody had it at the end of the steel cage match. Why did he give that back? Uh, I don't know. I guess he didn't want Maybe it Maybe he just dropped it or something. Head. Yeah, maybe he just tossed it out. Yeah, I don't think it was confirmed that he actually like held on to it. Stupid baby face he, move. He had it in his possession, but he probably <laughs> just like, yeah, gave it back to him. But uh, yeah, I mean, Matt's right. This Basically, the story of this match was uh, Cody Rhodes wanting to inflict punishment uh, He, you know, on MJF. He even got you know some belt shots in, which I was like, there's got to be shots with his, um, with his weight belt. MJF actually tried to use it on him at one point. The referee stopped him. And then Cody got it and was able to hit him once. The referee was like, no, no, I can't let you do it. And he was like, come on. He gave me 10 lashes. You got to let me do it once. Just one more. And the referee was like, all right, I'll let you do one more. Ah, go ahead. This is yeah. AW. Cody, yeah, that was kind of weird. Really, the MVP of the match for me was Paul Turner. <laughs> yeah. So I, this, he was so good in this match. I actually loved that. I'll yeah. say I didn't like this match. I, this Really? This is the most disappointed I was of any match on the card because I expected the women's match and the Jake match not to be very good. I didn't like this match. Uh, it had had a bad energy for me. I think it could have been deflated because of the terrible entrance. Good God, that's the worst wrestling entrance I've seen in AEW. Worse than Emi Sakura. That was awful. It was so yeah, bad. They couldn't hear themselves. It doesn't matter. He couldn't sing. It doesn't matter. You can't hear, hear yourself. He wasn't hitting the notes. His voice was shot. It was terrible. Awful. Keep live music away from w- from wrestling, AEW, WWE, NXT. It doesn't need to be there. Just play the track. It's so much more powerful. If you're going to do anything, do like what Jericho did or do like what the audience singing. Oh, it's so bad. I hated it. And not only that, we can't keep going without mentioning Cody's terrible neck tattoo. <laughs> God. It's such a bad decision. It doesn't go with his gimmick. It doesn't go with his character. He's a clean cut business type he's an evp for a multi-million dollar company now and he gets a neck tattoo what a terrible decision brandy has came out and said she doesn't like it tony khan has came out now and said he doesn't like it maybe it's a good idea to have your company approve tattoos like wwe does maybe that's a good decision because that's terrible it takes away from his character for me he had this bruce wayne look about him before you know he's a wrestler and then now he's a an evp sometimes so he had like this dual personality thing and now he's just a guy with a neck tattoo. I never and thought I would see the day where I would sit here and listen to somebody talk about this and think they were over, overreacting. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I, I think I'm somewhere in the middle between Matt and Micah. I, I wasn't disappointed in this, you know, at all. I thought it was a good match, but it definitely had its faults. Uh, the entrance didn't bother me at all. Like, I, I mean, the missing notes kind of yeah. bothered me, but it was fine. I mean, I've heard much worse live performances and it was okay. It was really the backup singer who couldn't hit a note to save his life. But, and the main singer just kind of, you know, wanted the crowd to sing along with him, but it was fine. It didn't, you know, bothered me more about the interest was all the people coming out with Cody. And I was like, this guy's supposed to like, you know, if he's bringing out Arn and Brandy, that's fine. But like he brought his whole team and in their thing. Like, it's like, yeah, it was a little like, Overkill, but whatever. Uh, it made it made Cody look like the heel. It was it made him look like the heel that MJF makes him out to be. Right. So uh, Dustin was out there as well, but now he's uh, got a prison tattoo. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think it's a bad tattoo. I think it's just a bad placement. He probably should have gotten on his bicep or something. That the, makes it a bad tattoo. The one on his chest, and then to go straight for the neck, especially a color tattoo, just doesn't make sense. But a, a beautiful tattoo across your forehead is still a bad tattoo. <laughs> yeah, at least he didn't get it on his face, but it's pretty it's about as close as you can get without it being on the face. Um, but as far as the match goes, I think the the main thing that bothered me, I, I like the story because obviously it became, like I said, Cody was wanting to deal punishment on MJF and it ended up costing him. 
because he tried to go for three crossroads and even Brandy was on the outside saying, you know, she was kind of hitting the mat and I think she was kind of calling for him to make the cover to, you know, to, to beat him, but it, you know, it ended up costing him. And, uh, you know, he even lifted MJF's head up at one point. He had a three count. Several times. Yeah. Several times. he he did. So, so that was the main story of the match, but I think the, you know, Brandy and Arn and Wardlow on the outside, I think there's a little too much of that. Uh, Brandy, she threw the beer in his face or the water or whatever it was on Wardlow. And that was fine. Like the crowd kind of got into it, but then she kept like trying to attack him. And then Arn like was getting involved and he had his Waffle House play sheet out there. Like I don't, <laughs> it was a little too much for that, but it, I mean, I, I still thought it was a good match. It, it wasn't, you know, but there's way worse that they could have been. Um, and MJ got, got, you know, got out with the win. He obviously hit Cody with the, uh, the ring and got out. So, I thought it was yeah, if this was just a match between two people, I probably would have been okay with it. But I expected a lot from this match. Um, I expected MJF to perform a lot better than he did. And, uh, yeah, I was disappointed. So, I don't know. I liked it. Tattoo's bad, though. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, move. Oh, yeah. So, I, I got that one. MJF got the win. Pac versus Orange Cassidy. I believe we all picked Pac. Is that correct? That is yes, correct. But this match was fantastic. Oh my this God. match was so good. really good. Orange Cassidy is more over than Hulk Hogan was when he body slammed Andre the Giant. The, I do want to point out, and Micah, you can go into a little more detail of this match, but there was one spot where Orange Cassidy was doing his kicks, and Pac just responded with his little weak kicks. And I don't think that was planned because Orange Cassidy looked like he was about to bust out laughing. He corpsed a couple times in this it match. It was so good. This match was so much fun. And Orange Cassidy is very talented, so I could tell us about it. Yeah, man, this match was so good. And the thing about Orange Cassidy's gimmick is so many people have doubted him and said, oh, this is so indie, we don't need this BS in professional wrestling. But for him to have this great gimmick where he's a sloth-style wrestler, he just doesn't care, he's a comedy wrestler, but man, can he actually wrestle? Yeah, he's good. You know who he reminds me of, honestly, when he actually cares? The Rock. The way really? he moves in the ring, the way he hits the DDTs, it reminds me of The Rock. Uh, okay. I may be crazy for thinking that. Uh, but, yeah, he's got the charisma in the ring. It's just – it's it's so good. Him and Pac, their chemistry together was fantastic. Uh, you had a, a spot where uh, – I can't remember this whole match, but you had, had a spot where uh, Pac was trying to hit the black arrow on Cassidy, and he just rolled to the other side of the ring. And then Pac would get on the other turnbuckle and try to hit him. And he'd just roll the other side of the ring. So Pac gets frustrated and roll and gets outside of the ring waiting for him to roll to him. And then Pac, and then Orange Cassidy faces Pac. He kind of corpses a little bit and smiles at him. And then rolls to the other side. It was just great. Yep. Uh, this match it was really was, good. It, I, I, again, I will say the, the only negative that I saw in it, I think it went a little, a little too long. Because Pac beat him down for like ever in the middle. Um, I think they had shortened had, that had a little bit. Though. Well, I, I felt like it, it just went a tad bit too long. And I actually even watched this match um, by itself with uh, my girlfriend because I, she happened to be watching the other night when uh, Orange Cassidy was on AEW and she kind of got a kick out of him. So at the start of the match, I, I stopped and we watched it together and she kind of got bored to the middle of it. And I kind of agreed. I was like, yeah, it's, it's it was very paced out. You know, it felt like a time filler. Um, that they were just kind of padding the match to, you know, make a certain time limit. Whereas, um, you know, some of the other matches, I didn't feel the time, you know, later in the evening. But, I mean, still, the story of the match was fantastic. It was just essentially that Orange Cassidy, you know, didn't take it seriously. Pac wasn't taking him seriously either, but then wanted to beat the snot out of him. And it fired up Orange Cassidy as the match went on. He made his comeback, you know, towards the end. And then right before, like, he was about to, you know, take the match, uh, of course, obviously the best best friends were out by ringside, but the Lucha Brothers ran in, started attacking best friends. It distracted Orange Cassidy, allowed Pac to uh, get the brutalizer on Orange Cassidy. Uh, he made him submit, but then held on to the move and made him pass out. So, uh, I mean, obviously Pac had to win this match. Uh, I, honestly, I wouldn't have minded him losing, but I feel like people would have kind of been upset if he would have would have lost this. Uh, but yeah, I think Cassidy to- definitely needs. Seven, I think at this point, I think they definitely need to focus more on Cassidy because they've got something with this kid. I agree with Micah. I don't think he's the Rock by any means. I mean, I know you're not directly comparing him to the I'm Rock. I think he's the 
rock, but he does remind me in his movements of the rock. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. uh, but I definitely, I'm totally with you on the charisma factor. I think that he's, that's there. Not, I mean, even when he's quote unquote, not trying, uh, he's charismatic, but then like when he did the, you know, kip up with his hands, his pockets and like flips towards the camera and just like stares, like it's just charisma. Yeah. It's, it's, you don't have to be, you know, over the top to be charismatic. Like he's, he's got it. Like you need to, they need to do moment. something with him. You got the moments when he's running around the ring, and the way that he does it just reminds me of the people's elbow. I don't know why. Like when he runs to the uh, for the suicide dive outside with his hands in his pockets, it just and it, it it just reminds me of the Rock doing the the people's elbow, the way he's bringing in the crowd and people are so into him. I also want to point out before we move on from this match because I know we're kind of running late and we've got the the main event coming up, but we've got to talk about his entrance. That was the greatest entrance of all time. <laughs> Justin, Robertson, Justin Roberts announced him as. He's from wherever, weighing whatever, and he comes out and his, his he comes out with the best friends theme song because he doesn't even care to get his own music. He's got he's got his Titan Tron, which is just OC in like black and white on Microsoft Paint, and he's he comes out and he's got pyro, and it's just the most deflated little sparkler pyro. <laughs> it just does like one burst up and kind of deflates down, and then he has smoke, and it's just kind of like. And that was it. It's great. <laughs> I loved his entrance. But yeah, this match is great. I love this match. His his entrance is fantastic. It was good. It was good. So we all picked Pac, I believe. Did we mention that? Yeah, yeah. everybody picked Pac. Okay. So for the main event, John Moxley versus Chris Jericho. Who picked two here? I picked uh, Moxley. Nope, you did not. You picked Jericho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jericho, my bad. And so did Matthew. I am the one victorious. Ah, so spoiler alert: John Moxley won. What was our final score here? Uh, I don't know, but I won. Uh, let's see. <laughs> let's see. Every- I think you missed one, and Kyle and I missed two each. Correct, I believe yeah, that is correct. Because, uh, well, let's see. No, uh, yeah, I missed two for sure. It was it was this and the Cody MJF match were the only two I missed. Yeah, and I missed this in the tag yes. team match, and you only missed the uh, Cody MJF. Yep. Great. Correct. So congratulations, Micah. It's your winner this time around. Have I so, lost the competition yet on, on this Wrestle Life Radio? I don't think I have. I don't think so. I have. I don't remember it, so that's all that matters. We lost uh, trivia, but who's counting? <laughs> so um, John Moxley had a cool entrance. He actually came in from outside, which is kind of interesting. But Chris Jericho's entrance I want to talk about. So Micah, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so there's actually a choir set up towards the entrance. And uh, they're singing Judas. And I, I was looking at the choir. And I was like, man, that, that girl looks familiar. Apparently, Chris Jericho had posted a video on his Twitter like two weeks ago of this girl covering Judas. And then now she's at the pay-per-view leading a choir. So I guess it's just a fan, which is great. Uh, That's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So they go through the, uh, the verse and the chorus. And then the actual Judas comes on. Of course, the, the crowd sings along. This is how you do live music, man. If you're going to do it, just have something simple like this, a choir or something. Don't have – yeah, man, Cody's interest is so bad. But, yeah, move, <laughs> moving on. You can, you can tell us about the match. Yeah, Kyle, tell us about the match. Uh, I think – I still – I enjoy this match. Don't get me wrong. But as in, you know, the MJF-Cody match was a disappointment for the night for him. I feel like this is a little bit of disappointment for me. I mean, by by no means was it bad, but I don't know. I was just expecting a little bit more, and uh, but it was it was still good. And obviously, um, I thought the eye would kind of play a little bit more part. They they did obviously have uh, Moxley had his eye patch on through the match, and um, they did some stuff with it. And then obviously towards the end of the match, it was revealed that Moxley indeed, of course, like. During his entrance in certain other parts of the match, the eye patch would get like moved out of the way of his eye, and you could clearly see his eye was okay. But toward the end of the match, he, you know, t- after basically run in from uh, Santana Ortiz, where they were actually at ringside, but they interfered, and then had uh, Jake Hager run out and try to interfere. Sammy Guevara hit, you know, hit Moxley with a belt shot that you know almost led to Jericho retaining, but he ended up kicking out. But then toward the end, Moxley uh, basically revealed that he had, you know his good eye or he, he saw his eye or uh, his eye was, was recovered. And uh, yeah, he, he basically hit Jericho with the, uh, the paradigm shift and picked him up, hit him with a lifting paradigm shift and got the win. 
Um, it was a good match. Obviously, the inner circle played a part in this, um, but it didn't stop Moxley from winning. And then after the match, he cut a really good promo on the inside of the, you know, basically just like thanking the fans. Uh, he basically said, you know, AEW promised to bring pro wrestling back to the fans, and now they have it. He said he, you know, he can't take credit for winning this belt, that it was the fans that pushed him. He, then he said it was Bureau Clock. Uh, he was, he kind of paused for a little bit, and his music started playing, and he was like, what the, and, you know, he, uh, he, he wasn't done yet. Uh, really funny. Yeah. Then He's he, like, I'm making this up as I go. Yeah. He said he promised not to hide behind the belt, but now it's time for some whiskey. Then he threw the mic down, and then his music kicked back up. But uh, it, it was still a really good main event. I, I say disappointing just because I was expecting the story of this match to be a, a little bit, you know, more like the Cody MJF. I, f- I feel it's a little bit more personal with their matches, but I still enjoyed it. It's still a good match. He's following the tag match, which realistically right. should be the main event. It, yeah, the bar was set very high for this show. So, like I said, by far, the, by no means was this match bad. And I, I don't think it was. It was just I was expecting it to be on that level or exceeding it. Because it was obviously for the you know the world title, and they'd done such a great job of building to it, I felt like it fell a little short of what it could have been. Um, but I don't think it might. I don't think it's going to be over. I think they're still going to have, you know, Jericho's obviously not going to take this loss sitting down. So yeah. I think it could still be really good. So uh, still a great match. So what do you guys think? Go ahead, Micah. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was a good match. I really. I didn't enjoy it. I don't think it was as good as Jericho Cody. I really liked that match. Um, I thought it told a better story than this one did. You definitely had uh, Jericho attacking his eye a couple times throughout. He ended up throwing the beer in his face, which took out all his vision. Um, you had him raking his eye there at the end, which is actually what brought the attention for him to... He was basically playing possum throughout the entire match. Uh, he he took his vision, so Jericho thought he had the win. I thought he had the win. I was like, oh, well, I guess Jericho is retaining, which is a yeah. match. I was fine either way. If they want to make Jericho have another year in his reign... That's okay. Jericho's great. I'm not going to get tired of him. And if they give it to Moxley, he's super over. Now's the time to do it. So I'm fine either way. And uh, yeah, I really thought they were gonna they were gonna give it to Jericho there at the end. But he rips off his his eye patch and reveals, hey, I could see probably for I don't know a couple well, matches it now. It, the, the whole working over the eye thing just didn't really make much sense to me because he was attacking the eye. True, but a that would have done more damage to the eye anyway if it was healthy. And then he revealed at the end of the match, he's like, oh, my eye is good. And it's like, so you've been covering it the whole time. So you've been right. handicapping yourself. So like, I don't know, like that's part of the story just it's wasn't. Like Goku, it was like Goku fighting with weight vest on. And then all of a sudden he right. takes it off and he's like, oh, I haven't even been fighting at full power. That's how I saw it. <laughs> um, Which you could argue is pretty dumb, though. Like he's in a title match and he's wrestling with one eye the whole time. So I don't, yeah, he's I don't wrestling know. an old man. Yeah. Trying to make it fair. <laughs> But he also hey, yeah, had to deal with the inner circle, so. Yeah, and also he he got uh, he got color throughout the match. So uh, John Moxley actually got uh, it didn't look like a blade job. And it he looked probably like he lost vision because there was so much blood running into his eye. So right. well, <laughs> if you saw in his eye patch, there was a couple times he took his eye patch off and it was just pulled full of blood. Like yeah. it was like a, 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 it was like a shot glass of blood came out of his eye patch at one point. Um, yeah. It didn't look like a blade job. It looked like he hit it on something. I couldn't tell at what no, point. No, he, he had a mark on what? his head for sure. It was it was a gash. It wasn't a blade. Um, it was more of like a Cody. Uh, I guess this is a, this that's a thing with Jericho title matches. He he gives people real injuries, um, or they injure themselves in Cody's mm-hmm. situation. Yeah, and I was surprised uh, Jericho actually didn't bleed throughout the match because he was uh they were he was going after the stitches, uh, which were not a blade job. If it was, yeah. it was a very poor one. Yeah, uh, I think it was maybe from hitting the scale last week. But yeah, uh, Jericho actually hit the lion salt too, which is cool to see him still do it. Forty nine years old. Yep. Um, and and I, on one hand, I was kind of worried for them to give Moxley the title right now because I think what makes him so great uh, on one hand is him being a hunter. You know, him going through and being like, you know, taking this person out, taking this person out, climbing to the top. But he said afterwards, he's the champion now. He wants to fight the best. You know, he's the still the hunter, but now he's got bait for people to come after. So I think that's right. Really- yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed this match. I, it wasn't as good as Jericho Cody, but that's a high bar because that match was really, really good. And you can't compare things to the tag match earlier in the show because, my gosh, what else have we seen this year? There might have been four or five other matches this year that can even come close to holding a candle to it. 
So yeah, I really enjoyed this match. I mean, it's, it's a 49-year-old Chris Jericho wrestling John Moxley. It was a little overbooked with Sammy Guevara coming in um, after Hager and Santana and Ortiz were getting thrown out. But whatever, man. That wasn't the end of the match. It was solid. It had false finishes. I thought Jericho was for sure going to win when Mox was blind. And when he pulled off the eye patch, I'm like, all right, that there's your winner. And right. that's exactly it, what happened. And as I said, it's I, I totally agree with you, Matt. I think it was a really good match. It just wasn't like I said, it wasn't story wise to me, it wasn't up to par of like the Cody MJF match and then obviously the tag match. But you know, leading up to this, the storytelling had been the same. So that's why I say it was a, dis- a disappointment, but not because it was bad. It just, you know, my expectation was through the roof, you know, that I thought this could be, and I think it fell a little short, but not, you know, bad by any means. There was so much great wrestling on the show and this was not a good match. So, uh, you know, nothing, you know, that they can't, you know, bounce back from. So it wasn't a bad match. This wasn't Hell in the yeah. Cell, Bray Wyatt, Seth Rollins or anything like still a really good match. Just, uh, you know, I think it could have been a little bit better, but still great. Okay. So Kyle, if you're going to grade this pay-per-view, what are you giving it? I'm giving it an A minus. Okay. It's still really good, but obviously you had the the women's match, which you know wasn't that great. The opener was I I thought it was okay, but you know, but other than that, there was, you know, the rest of the show was fantastic. So uh, I'm you know I, I can't give it an A plus, obviously. Uh, so it's somewhere between A minus and A. Like it was fantastic. You know, still I enjoyed every bit of it. Um, so yeah, I liked it. Micah. Yeah, I think if you look at the matches individually, uh, there were definitely some low spots. But if you look at the pay-per-view as a whole, this is a fantastic pay-per-view. Probably the best one I've seen in a long time. Maybe since maybe since All Out. Uh, it's definitely the best one of the year. I mean, what competition does it have? Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are saying it's the best in many years. But I, don't, I think I may have enjoyed All Out a little bit more. Um, even though it didn't have this fantastic tag match, I think overall it may have been a better pay-per-view, but the pacing, the production quality, everything was so good for this pay-per-view. So I think I'm going to give it an A and I'm going to hold out and give me an A plus to one that just absolutely blows me away. But this was a very, very good pay-per-view. I am also going to give this pay-per-view an A. It's only real down was a women's match for me. I, I enjoyed even the other ones that weren't as great like uh, Hager and Dustin, but it was a good match. It was just fine. It's just compared to the tag match and Guevara and Darby. It's just hard to live up to that kind of stuff. Right. Uh, this was an incredible pay-per-view. I absolutely enjoyed watching it for the entire four hours. And uh, yeah, if every pay-per-view can have one insanely good match on it and the rest of them be solid, I'm, I'm happy spending my money. It's fine with me. You guys agree? No, oh, yeah. It was great. Yeah. It would have got an A plus if not for Cody's neck tattoo. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Matt Sin. I'm here with Wrestle Life Radio. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Wrestle Life Radio and on Twitter at Wrestle Life Pod. You can follow me on Instagram and, fi- and Twitter at Wrestle Life Matt. You can follow Kyle on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. Don't forget to share this. Tell your friends. We appreciate you and all you do for us. Uh, let us know what match you liked the most. Well, it was obviously the tag match, right? Right. And what you thought of the rest of the pay-per-view. I hope you all have a really great day and an awesome rest of your weekend. Peace.